0: Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles' new political history podcast. I'm Jennifer Koron.
1: And I'm Drew Gilbert.
0: And we want to begin with some exciting news this week. So we uh, have recently learned in the last couple of days before recording this that we're now on Spotify. Yeah. And we're now on Google Play. So we've had a lot right. of questions I have. I'm sure you have about where can I find the podcast. So we're slowly... yeah. Uh, and I, and I had
1: I had some uh, some friends and family members that just really weren't willing to download the PodBean app, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna wait until we got another platform. Mm-hmm. So I love you guys, too. Thank you all for waiting. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know how to wait anymore. We got Spotify and Google Play, and uh, I don't think iTunes is very far away, and possibly by the time you hear this, we're sitting on iTunes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and also want to mention that we have a Facebook, Page uh, for Left on Red. And so I've been posting things both before an episode comes out and after, just bonus content, Mm -hmm. photos, stories, that kind of a thing. Um, For example, with Senator Reid's episode, uh, he mentioned uh, about President Reagan coming to Tuscaloosa and and having the McDonald's with one of the students. So I found a, a link to that story and put it up there. So it's really just Just some bonus content that kind of ties in to the episode, and that's a lot of fun. So uh, follow us on Facebook for that. Uh, So today's interview is a combo. Yeah, Um, we double-dipped. We did, and um, it was exciting for us because uh, we asked a sitting U.S. senator and a very successful Senate candidate to come on to our fledgling podcast, and there was no hesitancy there on either part.
1: I don't know what's wrong with these two guys. Uh, they, they didn't vet properly. They they did not. Their team didn't vet us. And, um, you know, they came in, they sat down, and, and we had some good interviews.
0: We did have some good interviews. Um, and so first up, we're going to uh, be talking to Senator Doug Jones. Uh, now, his interview is shorter. I just want to put it out there because we only had 10 minutes with him. Uh, we They gave us a timer, it, 10 minutes, and we hit that on the button. Um, but we did enjoy that conversation Um, he, he told some interesting stories. We got to learn about, uh, his day to day, Mm -hmm. um, how he operates in Washington, um, and just overall personable guy. I mean, we enjoyed, it was a short time, but we enjoyed him while he was here. It
1: was a good interview with a guy that he's not been there a long time. I think that's what I liked most about kind of what his tone was. There's still a newness for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and that came across to me in the interview you know he's Mm -hmm. still kind of he's still learning it and and digging up the Mm day-to-day
0: so here's our interview with senator doug jones uh we'd like to welcome senator doug jones to the podcast, thank, thank you. you for giving us some time, sir. You legitimized us. Yes.
2: Congratulations, <laughs> and uh, thank you. Uh,
0: I was wondering if you would tell us first uh, about your relationship with uh, Senator howell Heflin, and particularly some lessons that you learned from him that might be helping guide you in well, in the Senate in this particular time. Well,
2: that's a that's a great question. You're going straight to my heart right now, um, Heflin. You know, I was just a kid. I was just a young, right out of, out of law school. I met him when I was in college and worked on the uh, state judiciary uh, revision to the Constitution. He was an amazing man. Uh, you look at him, you'd hear him talk, and you would think he's just a lumbering old uh, southern politician that was just out glan-hanning. Incredibly bright man, incredibly smart, but also had an incredibly big heart. His mm-hmm. heart was bigger than his body, and that was pretty big. Um, we, we called him the buffalo. But what I watched in him is that Howell Heflin really was one of the first politicians to reach across um, with, um, among people of all colors, of all religions, of all uh, economic status. He had that ability to do that. And when he got to the Senate, he was one to be able to reach across the aisle. He had such good friends on the other side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. He really um, he, he informed me in the sense that he, he said, you gotta do your work, you gotta do your homework, you gotta follow your heart and do the right thing, but you got to treat everybody with dignity, with respect, uh, and take all of the things into account. Not only talk to people, but listen to them. And uh, I miss him uh, terribly. We've named one of our conference rooms we've dedicated to him uh, in in Washington in the Hart Building, uh, and uh, he still has a huge influence over me.
0: And you uh, have a, a fellowship, I understand, that brings in young men or women, right. uh, as you once were, uh, who are getting started in their, yeah,
2: in their lives. I, I, I joined his staff, it was his first year in the Senate, and he created kind of an internship uh, for people to work on the Senate Judiciary Committee and do it for only a year, kind of like you would uh, a law student, a recent law school graduate, kind of like somebody would do a clerkship. And so we've decided to do the same thing. So we've got our first Howell Hufflin uh, fellow uh, that's working with us now. She'll be there for at least a year, probably only a year, maybe a little bit longer because of of when we brought her in and the term and that sort of thing. But I wanted to do something in in addition to that to just honor him because I thought it was a great idea. And and, And what I know is this, it gave me an incredible experience. It gave me a look that not only is helping me be a United States senator, it's helped me be a better person and a better lawyer.
0: That's amazing.
1: So sticking with with Howell Heflin, Senator, um, he served in a time where there was some bipartisanship. Yep. Uh, there was here in Alabama politics dominated by the other party, uh, yep. by, by your party. Uh, now you, you seem to be kind of out on an island by yourself. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't even have a state party to support you, frankly, from what well, uh, everybody can that. see from the yeah, outside. We're, we're working on that, though. Um, that's going to change. How difficult is it for you? Because I feel like you're taking that mentality to Washington. I saw yeah. when, I, when I met you at Capstone, you talked about how important it was Senator Shelby had been putting this position over appropriations and how right. he needed to leverage that. And I feel like you're walking the walk, too. Yeah. How difficult is it for a guy with your brand right now in D.C.? It doesn't feel like that's the story anymore. Well, up there. you
2: know what's interesting is that, is that if you really struggling, through the press conferences and, mm-hmm. the, and the floor speeches and things like that, uh, Washington D.C. is probably one of the most bipartisan cities in the in the in the country. Uh, it's when you get out and mm-hmm. you get uh, in the into the into the electorate and all that's when things are getting real tribal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we've sponsored bills that overwhelmingly the number of bills I'm co-sponsoring are bipartisan bills. We work really well together with folks on both sides of the aisle. There's a lot of that that goes on. You just don't see it uh, as much up there. It's uh, so. I'm taking that brand up there, and I think it's serving uh, the people of this state well. We are able in my caucus, the Democratic caucus to do some things and to accomplish some things that Senator Shelby can't always get across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very powerful senator right now, but there are things that that I go and I try to get help because I'm, only, I'm the only Southern Democrat. Right. I'm the only Southern voice mm-hmm. uh, in that caucus. And so people listen uh, to me. They want to help. Mm-hmm. They want to do things. And so I think it's been a very good relationship with him. But I also think it's been a really good thing for Alabama to have a voice in that caucus. You know, I was named recently, a group named me one of the three most bipartisan Democrats Mm -hmm. and one of the 10 most bipartisan uh, senators in in the Senate. Interestingly, seven of those senators that were named, five Republicans and five Democrats, were from states that had both a Republican and a Democratic senator. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot about how people can work together, should work together, to try to get things done for their state and for the country.
1: All right, got to switch to the hard-hitting part of the interview. My daughter and I happen to love ice cream sandwiches. We mm. eat those pretty frequently <laughs> you saw that, uh, huh? in the <laughs> evening. I think my proudest moment of a sitting Alabama U.S. senator was you walking with uh, an ice cream sandwich, just ignoring a, like a heckler, for lack of a better term. Tell well, me more about that from your well, perspective. Well,
2: it, it was he was a tracker. You yeah, know, unfortunately, yeah. in today's political world, the other side hires all these people to come, you know, follow you around all the time. I'll have one in the Coleman Town Hall. There'll be a guy filming the whole thing. Uh-huh. And so this guy, we knew he was out there, and we were just we were just leaving, and the folks that were there said, "Y'all want a snack?" and you know, I, I, Louise grabbed a muffin and I grabbed an ice cream sandwich, yeah. and and I was just walking, and I just don't let those guys bother me. They they're they're there. They don't get paid anything. Right. And, and the and the poor little guy had run around the I block. I could hear him breathing and, heavy. <laughs> yeah. I thought he, I, I, you know, I thought I was he was going to have a heart attack there for a minute, but you know, I, I it just doesn't. You just have to kind of go with that, and they hit you with all these weird questions, it, and you just go with it. But it was it was pretty funny. And, it and, was a fun And the, and, the, and the and the and the video went kind of viral and is now being used by folks to to train p- candidates to say, here's how you just ignore <laughs> just these Just keep trucs. eating your yeah, ice cream sandwich. That's exactly right. right. <laughs> exactly right.
0: I think Drew has uh, also described himself as somewhat of a connoisseur of ice cream sandwiches and, and they want to trade thoughts on that with you. I've been eating, uh, I've been eating a few too many here lately, <laughs> frankly. Uh, oddly enough, speaking on on food, we'll, we'll stay with that. Um, so I saw you last uh, two years ago after you had gotten elected at the Rickwood Classic. Mm-hmm. I imagine you will be back at some point. Next year I in the spring for the Chitlin uh, supper that happens up in Arley, which is a which is you, a big event.
2: You know, I, if that gets on the agenda, I'll get there. I didn't know about the Chitlin summer uh, supper, but uh, I'm sure somebody after hearing this podcast will make sure we get
0: an invite. <laughs> but I just that. wanted to ask you about some of the campaign events you're most looking forward to attending, like some of the only in Alabama, and, and I think the Chitlin supper is one. That's of those, one. You know, got the uh, Peanut
2: Festival. We'll mm-hmm. try to do. We've got a number of things. You know, I. I I like moving around. I like talking to people, like see, seeing people. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting when you're a sitting senator. You've got official things you do, like the town halls that we're going to do, and I really enjoy those. Even even when I get those really tough questions from, from folks, I get that, and I, I appreciate those. Um, so I like getting around and doing those kind of things, and there will be a, plenty of barbecue and chicken and chitlins and peanuts and everything else over the course of the next, uh, what is it now, 14 months or so. hmm
1: so tell me, and this is this is the last I've got for you, so we're in a county here uh, where President Trump carried 82% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that transition in my life. I'm 32. I've seen that be about half and half. Uh, we voted for a lot of Democrats in my right. life here, too. We voted almost half for Al Gore in 2000. Uh, what's your campaign like here in, in Walker County well,
2: it's, to an area like that? You know, that? look, it's going to be it's going to be what it is everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be talking about what I did in 2017 called the kitchen table issues. We're mm-hmm. going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the opioid crisis that mm-hmm. you had here in Walker County. We're going to be talking about rural health care as I've I've done uh, so much uh, here, not just with opioids, but with Medicaid expansion and things like that. We're going to be talking about workforce development. We're going to be trying to figure out the the balance that we can do between the coal. Mine industry and what is happening now with uh, trying to move to renewables mm-hmm. uh, and a, a cleaner uh, climate environment that that is moving that way, we've got to try to figure that out and make sure that folks are taken care of. And we can do that in a way that people are, 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 are that they care about and they can move to these jobs and do some things. So those are going to be some interesting balances. But the thing we're, we're going to be doing, we're going to be coming in because there's a lot of issues that I think, uh, that I think affect Walker County and this state that are unique i think we're having a tough time on the trade wars Mm -hmm. right now i think the whole state is and i've been sounding the alarms on that uh across the state for a long time people are taking notice of that the bottom line is this is that there's a lot of there's still going to be a lot of uh, uh president trump supporters in this uh in this county and i my job is not to try to convince them otherwise what I hope people will look at, though, is my record, because my record is going to be more focused on Alabama, as well as where – you know, I sit on the Armed Services Committee, which is a really bi- good bipartisan mm-hmm. committee, too, because I believe in such a strong national defense. And we've got to arm ourselves against communist China. We've got to arm ourselves against Russia. We've got to modernize our weapon system. At the same time, I want to make sure that when people are looking at their health care, that they're going to be looking to me when they look at education, when they look at uh, expanding Pell Grants. You know, Walker County is not the richest county in the Mm -hmm. world. You got people that need that Medicaid expansion. You got people that need those Pell Grants and and financial aid to get to college or a two-year college. Those are the kind of things that I'm hoping that we'll be looking at, and I think my record will demonstrate that regardless of the much broader picture that people look for uh, in voting for a president, they need a senator who's got their back, Mm -hmm. their back specifically, and that's what I'm looking for. That's what I think we've been doing really well. We've got a great staff. Uh, I'm on the banking committee. I'm on the help committee. I'm on armed services, and I'm on aging committee, and so we're going to be doing those things that I think have tremendous benefit for the folks of Alabama.
0: Senator Jones, we thank you for sitting down with us today.
2: My pleasure. Thank
0: you for having me. Thank Let's you. do it again.
2: We will. All right.
0: And we're back. That was Senator Doug Jones. Uh, again, we had a lot of fun having him having him in here with us. and uh, we,
1: we did, and uh, maybe one of the proudest moments of my life, as I'm landing this ice cream sandwich joke, I made eye contact with his staffer who had caught on to the joke before the senator. Mm-hmm. So she's already laughing before he realizes where I'm taking this train. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can just stop here. I'm done. I'm proud of my work here. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm out. I'm, that was it for me.
0: And um, I think this is the, what's so enjoyable about podcast is that no one is going to ask him about the ice cream sandwich scenario in a normal news interview
1: yeah and that's what we're trying to do and uh, we're going to try the same thing uh with with uh coach tuberville in in the next interview Mm
0: -hmm. so he's up next um this was really a big get because we spent about 20 minutes <laughs> talking about <laughs> we, him.
1: We, I really fanboyed him a lot in, in the In the, in intro. the first
0: <laughs> episode. But he just has an interesting story. It just brought up so many things. was actually the inspiration for doing the presidential sports trivia. Uh, I mean, we've just been fascinated by his, by his candidacy. Um, and once again, in the spirit of, of bipartisanship, we asked him to come in. Had mm-hmm. a great interview with him. Uh, got him to lighten up a little bit again. Give you all the credit for that. Uh, also found went straight to his uh, his weak spot there with uh, with what would be an off script uh, humorous yeah. kind of uh, humorous kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and that wasn't easy. Um, I, one of the things I wasn't sure of when when Coach Tuberville came in is kind of how how seasoned he would be to answer like a politician. But he he had the script and it was working for him. He was him. well, and uh, so I was really excited to get him off topic a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. So here's that interview with Mr. Tommy Tuberville. We'd like to welcome Senate candidate Tommy Tuberville to the Left on Red podcast at the Daily Mountain Eagle. Uh, And congratulations are in order. Uh, I saw a new poll that was out that shows you leading among uh, the other candidates 36% uh in uh, in the latest poll so you're doing quite well in the race and i was wondering i had seen an article where you said that uh people in alabama tend to trust their football coaches a lot more than politicians <laughs> like and i was wondering <laughs> and i was wondering if you think that's why you're, you're having so much success against some of these guys that we've obviously heard their names quite a bit over the years do you think that plays into it
3: well you you can't top a football coach in this state especially when it comes to name recognition number one everybody reads about you talks mm-hmm. about you every day mm-hmm. like you or not like you doesn't right. make any difference <laughs> and then I've been all over the state many times even before I started this five or six month tour I've been on to the state so name recognition doesn't help uh, football coach doesn't, doesn't hurt mm-hmm. uh, and it's just and again it's fun for me I'm doing it for the right reasons you know I want to do it. I don't need a job. Right. I want to do this, and so uh, I think people are resonating to that. All you got to do is turn on TV for about two minutes. You're going, "What in the world have we got up in Washington D.C.? What (laughs) we've got is a mess." Right. I don't think I'm going to disagree with you at all. (laughs) (laughs) It is a complete mess, and you know I love this country and I love this state. You know I'm afraid we're going to lose it all if we don't be careful, and uh, so I tell people I'm a politician's worst nightmare (laughs) I don't need a job I want the job I don't need the money I'm not taking a paycheck and I'm not gonna be politically correct that is just about brought us under so
0: now, I uh, think Drew I'm had a excited. question about the, uh, the, the paychecks in paychecks Yeah, New let's Rio. talk about this
1: paycheck. We have a, a wonderful foundation here, the Walker <laughs> <Yeah>. Area Community <laughs> Foundation. If you want to slide one of those, uh, you all get paid, I think, bi-monthly. Oh, is that what it is? I think. We were trying yeah, to do research on there, that. Yeah, because yeah, it didn't matter to you. So, <laughs> yeah, you just slide one of those down here. we got a good foundation. We'll put it to good work in Walker County here.
3: Yeah, we're actually going to spread it around. My Perfect. Wa- my wife, uh, you know, when – Here's what happened. You know, I, I retire, and I work for ESPN for a while. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, we've been married 27 years. And, you know, she goes, you know, you know you love politics. You love this country. You love this state. And, you know, we've been married uh, 27 years. That's He's, impressive. And she goes, we're not going to be married 27 more days if you don't get out of my house. <laughs> 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 and so so I said, you got it. All right, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and she <laughs> said, you're not taking a paycheck. We're going to put a million dollars of our own money in it. You're going to do this the right way. You're going to do it for our country and our state. Yeah. And so uh, I was prouder for that uh, that observation. And, you know, this should be a voluntary job. It should not – and that's the reason, you know, our founding fathers – and people ask me this. Coach, what do you think about the term limits? Well, I think we ought to have them. But our founding fathers did not put term limits in the Constitution because – they never dreamed anybody would yep, no, do this for a living that's right they you, assumed you right. know
0: when it was time to go yeah. home right
3: yeah you'd come for a while and go back and get your job or mm-hmm. plow your fields or plant your yeah. corn or whatever but they've made this job up there pretty comfortable for some of them and uh, uh you know they just they've gotten into it and, and they never leave and i'm gonna write a book about this win or lose i'm gonna write a book about campaigns you can't if you're a incumbent it's almost impossible to beat them, right? You know, because they got all the insider Absolutely. money, a special interest. Uh, everybody gives them money to get back in there because they'll take care of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm fighting all that. I'm fighting every bit of it. And and uh, but one little problem they got people know who i am that's true you know, that's I've true been, i've been around so is, is auburn
1: home for for you and the wife yeah, yeah. I know you're a, yeah. you're an arkansas boy she's an indiana girl is, yeah. does auburn feel we, like home to you oh yeah. we,
3: we never sold anything mm-hmm. we knew when we <clears throat> when we left i call it getting transferred <laughs> we got transferred to lubbock uh, texas tech had a great time then we went to cincinnati because that's where my wife's from her dad was sick and so we left and went there for a few years and after shoveling 60 inches of snow my last year, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm done. It's much warmer in Alabama. It's <laughs> uh, one and, thing we got going for yeah, us. Yeah, so we had a yeah. house, and we had a lake house, and, and, and uh, right outside Auburn at Lake Martin, I've got a farm I've had for 16 years where I raised deer. I high-fenced it, and I raised big deer. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just a hobby, but, you know, we love it. Both of our kids uh, went to most of high school there. Uh, one graduated, Tucker, three years ago. He's now in New York. Uh, uh, in in finance, but he graduated. Played at Auburn for Gus, and then played quarterback, and and he loved it. And then our youngest son's there now. He's on the six year plan. I can't get him out. of school. <laughs> <laughs> He he's, likes it so much. He's oh hanging around. yeah, they all, I think they all love college. But he's in engineering, IT. Okay. So it, it's pretty hard. So I'm staying out of his way as long as he makes A's and. Stays out of trouble, but uh, no, we love it. Our friends, you know, for life have been there. We've made a lot of great friends, and and you know, not just Auburn friends, but Alabama friends. Mm-hmm. People, people don't realize. Mm-hmm. They said, "How are you going to get any Alabama vote?" I've got as many Alabama friends as at Auburn. Yeah, friends. Right. As coach. Yeah. You know, and people like to talk about you know, uh, you know, the Iron Bowl, obviously, but you know, this state is very competitive. Yeah. And uh, it's just uh, it's just it's it's home. You know, yeah. it's it's most it's where I've spent most of my life. You know, uh, you know, a, a majority. You know, I've been bounced around Miami mm-hmm. to Texas to Ohio to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. but this is where I spend a majority of my time.
0: Now, you said something back there uh, that I might want to touch on for just a second on the, the money, uh, the special interest and stuff. And you've been very critical of how much money a candidate like yourself has to raise in a, in a campaign yeah. like this. And I was wondering if you might uh, just tell us some of those objections about what it's like to uh, to have to be in that, that fundraising game in order just to run a race like this.
3: Well, you know, when I get in this, you know, Sidney you're going to have to raise two or three million dollars just to get to the, hopefully get to a runoff. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'll make phone calls. And now there's limits. You can only take $2,800 per person, mm-hmm. nothing from a corporation mm-hmm. for a federal job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm calling friends and calling people, and you get 500 here, you know, 250 here. You set up online stuff. And, and I've raised a little money, and, of course, I put some of my money in. But you don't run, you don't raise the money to to put out your agenda or anything. That's not what you do. You you raise money to either defend yourself or to go after somebody sadly yes that's very true at the end of the day do you know why politicians don't do anything they have nothing to run on for instance in football you know i'm fortunate i won what 160 games Mm -hmm. you know i can brag about being a winner Mm -hmm. but what do you what do you win when you're in congress or senate or, or whatever you know you're just up there you know, voting or, or you know, working to help. Obviously, you're doing things, but there's nothing that you can just put your hat on and say, "I got this done." Yeah. You know. So, uh, it's it's seek and destroy. Yeah. And so they're getting ready to come after me. I understand that. Yep. Uh, somebody said, are, "Are you not worried about your family and and uh, you know the things that they'll bring out?" I said, "Well." You know, my dirty laundry's been brought out by Paul Feinbaum for the last 20 years. <laughs> You've been vetted fairly well, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, And, you know, it, it's it's amazing. But I'm anxious. My wife said, I guess we're going to figure out how many banks we've robbed, right? Yeah. So I said, yeah. yeah it'll probably yeah. all come You're gonna out. You're going to learn it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll all come out.
1: Uh, so tell me, look, kind of looking into your past and before pre-political, it seems like defense is pretty big for you. I felt like you had a, a big heart for the troops. Looks like you did some traveling overseas on the coaches' tour and things like that. Is it safe to assume that's kind of your number one in D.C.? Is that your like your biggest like yeah. to, close-to-your-heart project when you get there? Is that the passion project?
3: Yeah, I've got three or four that I really believe that I can help this country with. Number one, I'm, I'm a military brat. My mm-hmm. dad quit the tenth grade at age sixteen and joined the army. Oh wow. Uh, he landed in, in Normandy in D Day. Oh wow. Robotank story. Europe, and he uh, won five bronze stars and a purple heart was injured age eighteen. I can't imagine that. And, no. you know, he didn't talk about it much. Then he stayed in the military uh, there was three of us, two brothers. I had another brother and a sister, and he raised us. And at age fifty-three, died on a training mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was still in the military. So I'm, I was I was raised to 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 be a patriot and, and love this country and love the military. So, mm-hmm. obviously, that's going over and see the troops. I did that twice for two presidents, and uh, that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. with some other coaches. Uh, but I tell you that you know, the what fun part of it for me to go to afghanistan and see our troops over there and they're the same age of the guys and the girls i coached right mm-hmm. i mean you go over there and they're, wait a minute i'm coaching 18 19 20 year olds and that's who's over here fighting for us right you don't realize that you mm-hmm. think that they're 35 40 50 years and there's some of those mm-hmm. but most of them are young people right so i wish i could take some of my my teams over there, and say you're complaining about the food we got in the mm. cafeteria. Right. Let me show you what <laughs> these folks brought <locals laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I'm big military. Uh, I'm big law enforcement. You yep. know, we're, we're losing this. We're losing. We're a lawless country now. Uh, we we have lost perspective and respect for our law enforcement. Uh, you see it on TV. Uh, you see people disrespecting law enforcement, and if we lose the the security of our streets we've lost because that's our freedom. You can take your money, you can take churches, the schools, your kids. If you lose the freedom to go out in our streets and enjoy what the country that we have, we got problems. And we're losing it. Now we hadn't lost it near as much as what they have up in the big cities. You can't go out up mm-hmm. there at night. I mean just it's it's awful. So I'm big with law enforcement and of course our farmers, uh you know they're they're the lifeblood of what we do they seem to like you so far yes Uh, you just got a fairly big endorsement from from them yeah that was that was good and i worked it hard you know i'm a grassroots guy i'm a country Uh boy i grew up in the country and and uh, i believe in what the farmers do and how they do it and you know they uh, i work seven days a week coaching okay Mm -hmm. 120 kids Mm -hmm. and but i had a set salary they work seven days a week every week of the year to grow a crop which they can't control the price nor can they control the weather that's right they have their back is against the wall every day Mm -hmm. and i mean they don't they don't get around the crowds you know they're out there driving tractors and making decisions for their family Mm -hmm. and it's hard It's, it's it's one of the hardest things to do to be a farmer and we can't lose our family farms in this country we can't do it and we're losing because you know Kids are coming up. I don't want to do this. You know, it's too mm-hmm. hard. It's it. You know, our parents are are just fighting to break even every mm-hmm. year. And uh, so we've got to f- somehow, some way, you know, keep our family farms and not let it go all corporate. Uh, but education is my passion. Mm-hmm. Now, education is the key to freedom in this country. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, when we're not educated, tyranny will take over, uh, and that's what's happening. We have we're not near as educated as we once were. You know, in, in in a lot of school, even high schools in this state, we don't teach civics, we don't teach any government, our kids don't have a clue about the Constitution, uh, they'll go, what? The Bill of Rights? Mm-hmm. What, what is that? We don't teach U.S. history uh, because some people think it's derogatory to learn about the past. That's dead wrong. I mean, you've we've got to teach why we're here, how we got here, what made us strong, what made us weak. and so we can continue to keep this republic that we have. And so we gotta have a workforce development. I mean, we don't, kids are getting out now. They're going to, a lot of guys and girls are going to four-year schools, mm-hmm. getting degrees. They get out and they can't get a job. Yeah. They don't know how to use their hands. Uh, and it's just it's just unfortunate that we haven't changed with the times. At one time it was all great. Now we're to a point where we've got to have some kind of development of skills where young girls and guys can go out, make money, and raise a family mm-hmm. instead of going and getting a $100,000 debt and getting out and right. not being able to get Yes, a job. I think
0: the cost <laughs> of higher education is certainly something that our generation uh, knows quite yeah. a bit it's about. Ridiculous.
3: Yeah, you want to help out with that. We're big fans. Of, <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> not now. We already paid for <laughs> yeah, it. We, but, <laughs> well, you're going to have kids that's going to go. And I'm going to tell you it. what, yeah. it's, it goes up 4%, 5 6% a year. And here's why. Because the federal government will loan money. To everybody to go to school if they right, want to right. loan you money. Um, the federal government is going to pay that school for that. So they they, they have no skin in the game.
1: Uh, that's right. No skin. Mm-hmm.
3: So we need to take at least half of that and say, okay, the university is going to be responsible for half and mm-hmm. the federal government be responsible. Or the yeah. federal government just get out all together and say, okay, you want to loan money, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're out of the game of, of loaning money because we're 1.7 trillion in debt in student loans. Yeah. Nobody's paying them back. Yeah. So – we're between a rock and a hard place. I can understand, you know, education. We've got to have it, but we got to be able to pay for it.
1: I'm with you. Yeah.
3: Well, stay on the college
1: front, but switching gears a little bit. Ooh. So you replaced uh, a, a pretty quirky guy in Lubbock. Uh, a guy I like to follow. Mic, yeah. Did he leave any weird stuff behind <laughs> in the office? Was oh, yeah. there some weird drawings or bean bags or lava lamps? What was going on in that office when f- you took over? I had a full statue of a pirate.
3: You know, he <laughs> Whoa. Was, he was he was into pirates. That's, that's his thing. He's into pirates. Had a skeleton. Uh, yeah. Had yeah. some swords in the desk. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the,
1: the he, he went on a rant uh, <laughs> last week or the week before. Uh, someone posed a question about if the, if the Pac-12 mascots got in a fight, who, who would win. He went deep down that rabbit hole for quite a period of time. Uh, I get, which SEC mascot would win the fight, I guess? Uh, I'd have to ask you. Who would won that win fight, fight? If all the SEC mascots fought, we got a lot of tigers. Put them all in the room, yeah. So it's well, hard to pick like which. Well, ti- I, I, I mean, obviously, well, I know which tiger you're going to pick to win out of the tigers, but
3: well, but the probably the meanest one is a Razorback. You Uh-oh. think about yeah. that? I mean, those things. Yeah. You know, if you you put them live in there, but, but uh, Razorbacks are thick skinned. They are and all that, and but, they just come running wild into the fight too, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they just run over everything yeah. they get. But uh, no, Mike Leach can talk a long time. <laughs> about
1: a lot of stuff.
3: Other than football. Do you <laughs> yeah. ever hear him talk about football? No. He never talks about and football. And I love it. I love yeah. that he doesn't talk yeah. about He'll it. He'll get off on a <laughs> – I can remember he was – he brought this up. He got to be not friends but acquaintances mm-hmm. with Donald Trump. Yeah, He's in yeah. New York one day, and uh-huh. he walks into the his his tower there on Fifth Avenue, and he tells the guy that's watching elevators, he says, Hey, I want to go see Donald Trump. Can I meet him? Well, who are you? <laughs> well, my name's Mike Leach. I'm the head coach at Texas <laughs> He said, I'll tell you what. I'll, let me get your name and number. Yeah. And Mr. Trump comes through here one day. I'll just give it to him. Yeah. Well, he did. And he called him. No way. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he called him, and they – I, they, I guess, they become pen pals there for a while. That's but pretty the, funny. Yeah, but that's Mike. I can yeah. only imagine what those letters were like back and <laughs> forth. Oh, oh, can you
0: those, imagine? Those would yeah. be
1: fun. We could archive those. Yeah. Uh, Listen,
0: we want to be respectful of, uh, of Mr. Tubbles' yeah. time. So, do we have Le- one more? I got one more. Up? Let then me more wrap up, up with you.
1: Uh, just looking through your platform, I obviously, see, uh, I see a pretty conservative guy uh, running in a conservative. In, a, in a conservative area. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, um, for a guy like me, a kind of a moderate voter, uh, but I'm pretty pragmatic. I think that a Republican's going to take. This seat. Uh, what separates you from the other Republicans in the field right now? For for a voter like me, are you aiming at a moderate, or are you just
3: are you, yeah? You take you take any and all comers, any and all comers. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a Christian conservative, uh, obviously Republican, but uh, we've got to put people in Washington D.C. that have common sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to put people in Washington D.C. that's had a job, a real job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have dealt with thousands of 18 19 20-year-olds that are getting ready to control this country. Now they're all from 20-year-olds to 45-year-olds. Right. This is a great group of millennials. Great group. Different. Mm-hmm. Because you guys had a lot more than what what we had. We did. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything. You know, we didn't have the phones or the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, we kick cans down the road and use sticks for a baseball bats. You heard all that right. crap, yeah. You know, right? but, but it's uh, real, yeah, yeah. But it's real. But y'all had so much more, and so you got different problems than what we had. And so I've gone through all those problems mm-hmm. with being father to thousands of kids over the years, because that's what you are when you're a coach. You're a father to all those guys and girls, because we had a lot of trainers and managers, that were, and you're responsible for all of them. And so I. I personally have know and have seen the ups and downs of what you guys, the millennials, uh, are getting ready to face, and have overcome problems. Mm-hmm. You're smarter. You uh, uh, you have a, a more understanding of the future because, for some reason, y'all have matured quicker. Over the, over the years and what we did as, as youngsters. Now, going back to my dad at 16, mm, joining the right, Army, yeah. they had to grow up. <laughs> they had no choice. We worked all the time. We, we didn't understand. You know, we had three television stations. We, You know, you heard a little bit of radio, uh, all those things. But I really grew up when I became a coach and started learning from, from you guys. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to have people in D.C. that have dealt with those problems, that understand – the group, this, you guys, that are getting ready to take this country over in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting a bad rap. I'll tell you that now. Because people say, well, they don't work hard. They, they're, they're not responsible. They want everything free. And that's bull. That's bull. You know, you've got some that want that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But y'all want a better life like we did for you and your families. Mm-hmm. And so I'm... I, I'm understanding of that, and that's that's the reason that I'm going to get a lot of people, young people, is going to vote for me mm-hmm. because I've dealt with it. I understand it, and I've got a soft, soft heart for it. I'm not one of those that says, hey, we're going to do what we did 40 years ago. I mean, that's, that's not right, mm-hmm. you know, because I understand the difference between 40 years ago when I got into coaching and 43 years now after that of how things have really changed. Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So... Uh, we have to have people in washington dc that think on the level that y'all do Mm -hmm. that have gone through the good the bad and the ugly to know how to work out problems uh you know 10 years ago i couldn't turn a computer on y'all grew up with them Mm -hmm. so y'all know y'all know everything about them and so you need people in washington that can communicate with you and i really enjoyed it i mean that that was fun in my life to deal with you know, 18-year-olds all the way to 23-year-olds, and now dealing with them and talking to them on the phone, how much they've changed, but just listening to them about coach. I didn't realize how much I learned in that five-year period, not about football, but about being a, a respectable individual that had to work hard to make it, you'd run my butt off if Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. because you had people waiting in the wings and you told us every day listen i got somebody else i want to bring in if you don't if you don't want to go to class hey i'll give this scholarship to somebody else so you either did it or you left yep and i held their feet to the fire so uh that's the reason you know people your age a lot of you are going to vote for me Mm -hmm. because i know i know the problems and i know what you can do and i'm very strong on on your generation and it's a great one, but we got to we got to build leaders in other areas uh, from your generation. And I think we will. Uh, I don't think that you're you're all into the socialism part and everything's free. Uh, you're not falling for that because there's none of that's going to be true. It might last for about six months, and then uh, then we'll turn into something that you don't want to see. You know, you don't want it for your kids. So uh, I know that's a that's a long answer, but you know experience to me is how you profit in this country that's how you survive this country not leaning on somebody else but doing your thing and doing the best you can and then helping other people we're put here to help other people now we're not here just to make money and raise a family we're you know you're put here to help people and and at the end of the day you know when your life's over you know the, Good Lord, upstairs are going to ask you. You know, what did you do for other people? That's true. I'd really believe that, and so
1: that's a and that's a rhetorical question at that point too. That's the reason <laughs> I'm
3: running. I didn't. I never fought in the military. I did help a lot of people in 40 years of coaching, but I want to give back now to people everything I can for the next 20 years. Let the next 20, which is about probably going to end up, you know, where you know my, my term on uh, of being a human being. so <laughs> I want to give back. And uh, uh, it sounds a little crazy, but it's all true. Uh, well, Coach?
0: I think that's a I think that's a good note to end us on. It uh, is. Uh, yeah. We we appreciate you being here, sir. We've enjoyed this interview with you. Thank so. you
3: very much. Enjoyed coming, and uh, maybe we can do it again. Love it. I understand we'll you'll be, need you. to be back. This is this is a long. <laughs> long run here you can just double double back to us we'll get you in season (laughs) two if you if you make the if you win the primary then it's a it's another 10 months after that or or eight months whatever so hey thank you for letting me come, coach
1: thanks for coming good to see you you, thank you
3: thank you
0: all right here we are again that was mr tommy tupperville great interview with him Drew, you want to go ahead and put it out there in the world that you really think uh, he may be our next senator?
1: I, I'm, I've been telling people since that interview, mm-hmm. um, I think he's the next senator from the state of Alabama. That's not an endorsement of any man, uh, means at all. Um, I think if, if you're just looking at it pragmatically, um, we're, we're going to elect the Republican nominee mm-hmm. uh, if, you're, if you're placing your wagers and uh, man, he's strong. He's polling so well out of the gate as as a political novice. He stays on message. Uh, I don't know how many of you really paid attention to the last question there.
0: I think we both, at the same moment, that's when we both that realized was he was me. legit.
1: I mean, his script is good. He's got the he's got the templated Republican platform website right now. That's basically you know uh, Trump good, not Trump. Is bad. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a smart play politically right now, especially in this area uh, and in the state. But that last question, I wasn't sure how he was going to handle it. And man, he had the answer for the question. So he read yeah, the I, I think uh, may, heard it here first. Maybe I don't know. I don't know who may mm-hmm. said it, but I, I think he's our next senator. Mm-hmm. I do.
0: He did very. He did very well. Um, and we didn't ask him about this in the room, but just. Um, So, yes, there's definitely, uh, and I believe he sincerely, I mean, is in the Trump camp. But, you know, there's been a couple of incidents that um, he's actually criticized Mm -hmm. uh, President Trump a little bit. Once Mm was on um, the veterans, I think, the need to do more for veterans. And then the second one was... um, It was the farmers, the tariffs,
1: and how they were impacting the farmers. That's right, the tariffs. And And so showing a little
0: independence, uh, just... uh, um, but These obviously seem to be things he genuinely cared about. He,
1: he believes in it, and mm-hmm. it's so unfortunate that we've created this system where you must remain lockstepped. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you can criticize your own guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can agree with a guy on 95% of the stuff, and then that 5%, mm-hmm. you can talk about that, right? But mm-hmm. we don't allow that anymore. So obviously he had to like retract those things. As soon as he
0: stepped outside the box, he was immediately hit he, with, you don't support the president. Yeah, and, and I think that that's unfortunate
1: because... Frankly, do any of us 100% support one person or one leader? I don't support anyone 100%. And I would hope that um, we get to a point where we can be that again. Mm -hmm. It's okay to, to be teammates and believe in most of everything that the person believes in. And occasionally not.
0: I mean, we're both married. The person that oh we goodness. love most in the world, uh, we we don't believe in a hundred percent of what they say, and I'm, vice versa. I'm,
1: I'm having a I'm having a good year if I can get Ashley to believe in me about fifty one percent of the time. So, so <laughs> it, is, it is a little unreasonable
0: that you would expect that. I mean, yeah. this person who's a relative stranger, they're just a politician that you would. You know, absolutely, just a hundred percent, be with them when you can't be that way for the person that you're married to. That's I, that's that's a little weird, but
1: yeah, and and to the same degree, I think we do. Uh, if we're if we flipping to the other interviewee we had in the room, uh, I've I've heard you know a lot of people uh, speak about how liberal he is, and we got to get him out of D.C. and things like that. And it's it's fine if you prefer to have a Republican there, and I, that's that's probably what's going to happen. But if you really look at Doug Jones, kind of. Under the surface, the voting record, the, the way he works with Senator Shelby, um, he, he's just left of center, really, politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty moderate Democrat, as was Howell Heflin, the man mm-hmm. he worked for. So. Yeah, we love to shove you all the way one way or the other, mm-hmm. but uh, frankly, I don't think that's where either of these candidates live. Um, I, think I, so. I felt like uh, I feel like Tuberville is just to the right of center, and and uh, Doug's just to the left of center. And mm-hmm. uh, personally, that's the kind of guys I like, really. Mm-hmm.
0: So once again, we just want to thank both of them for uh, for coming on. We were excited to get them, and excited um, as with all of our guests to show a different side of, of what you're getting from the traditional the new news coverage of the senate race so let's move on to our segment true story or fake news i'm scared um this is a fun one
1: you say that's fun for everyone but me yeah it,
0: well <laughs> it's certainly fun for me to to I try know. to make the tie-in okay so true story or fake news a u.s senator once pulled out a pair of his wife's underwear in public thinking it was a handkerchief yeah that's true it is true.
1: Yeah. I remember that story. Who was that?
0: It was, you just said his name, Mr. Howell Heflin. Yeah. Senator Howell yep. Heflin.
1: So, of course, um, he was from the great state of Alabama, he was from right? from the
0: great state of Alabama. Now, he was a man with a wife and children <laughs> and grandchildren. Um, um, so, he was eating with some reporters. I think they were actually female reporters. So, he reached for a handkerchief um and out came the underwear he actually had to issue a a press release on this and the reporter who had a copy of it saved it and put it on twitter or something a few years ago when she was cleaning out her desk because it was one of her favorites um so part of the statement said that rather than taking a chance on being embarrassed again i'm going to start buying colored handkerchiefs (laughs) (laughs) um and i have with me do
1: we have a photo and anybody take photos of that it was in
0: 94 so i don't think so um, but uh, I have a uh, a book here about uh, Senator Heflin. Uh, Ed Howe actually gave this to me. Shout out to Ed. Um, it's called A Judge in the Senate, and this is where he's talking about it, uh, the fallout of that. And he says, I got all sorts of little bitty panties through the mail. And then I got bandanas, these red handkerchiefs that the cowboys used, which had been made into panties. Uh, I told the media from now on, I'm going to use colored handkerchiefs. And some paper said if he hadn't been so big and fat and ugly, he never would have lived that down. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. That was very nice of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, think about it in today's environment. Honest to goodness, if that happened... Wouldn't that be a Me Too movement situation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that would. There would be yeah. no. There would be no grace given. That I mean, he was in the presence of female reporters, and that yeah. happened. That was obviously a slight at them. Um, uh, yeah. And actually, how he said that happened is, so they had like adjoining bedrooms or something, and so he was getting dressed. She was had gotten you know dressed and and whatever. So things were laying around. Obviously, I mean, it's it's you know. A, it's your residence i mean you don't keep it speaking span all the time so he reached for what he thought was the handkerchief and actually it was must have been where his wife was about to get dressed after the shower or something like that so instead of getting his handkerchief he in fact got his wife's
1: this takes me to a deeper question underwear. of uh how many men carry handkerchiefs still that's Mm-mm. uh not that's, that many that's still a thing or most of not leave it behind i don't think so I mean you, you just basically collected your snot all day and
0: it is it hair. is a hygiene issue. I think we I think we realized that at some point but um but yep so yes, that was true. That was certainly a fun story with
1: with an official press release on with on his official, letterhead with an <laughs>
0: official press release
1: mm-hmm. yep. All right well, I got one. Uh, for those of you keeping score, I'm one for three uh, mm-hmm. because I had actually heard that story before. And that might have been when Senator Jones was running. You know, there were a lot of Howell Heflin stories coming back oh, up.
0: Oh, okay. There
1: were a lot of Howell Heflin but stories he coming back then. up. And I think that's when uh, I read it somewhere.
0: Um, so it's recent,
1: so long as mm-hmm. I remembered it.
0: So next week, I believe we're set for. Um, Marsha Atkins. We our are with Marsha Atkins. It's good to
1: turn down the testosterone in this room for mm-hmm. a minute.
0: We've I've waited a long time <laughs> to, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> to, finally, to the choir. finally fit in our, our first female guest, um, and she made some cracks about not knowing why she was on the podcast. But we'll just put it out there that we uh, we both both enjoy her very much, respect I do. her very much. I do. And think she she gave uh, a great interview to us. So well, and she
1: was a good interview for for me um, because I, I feel like she represents a minority in her opinions on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And man, that's what makes our country great is that we have mm-hmm. the freedom to have those opinions and speak about them, and mm-hmm. you know maybe not have rocks thrown at you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a good interview, and you guys can look forward to that next week. We'll see you then. See you guys. Left on Red is a Daily Mountain Eagle production. Copyright 2019 Daily Mountain Eagle, all rights reserved.